The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Seeing the kingdom of God being extended in the borough of Bromley. And you know, when I was talking a little bit last week about light and dark, how there are powers of darkness that seek to stop people hearing the gospel, stop people understanding spiritual forces of darkness that come against the people of God in Bromley to hold them in captivity and blindness. And it's the job of the church to see that the light of God comes and to see breakthrough against those powers of darkness. And there's a responsibility, I believe, on us for the things that God has taught us and for the things that God has led us in that we take a lead in that. So when we're talking about this 36 hours of prayer and this hear our prayer and these people coming over from America, well, that's all very nice. But you need to understand, this isn't about just having some visiting people. This is about us arising into the destiny that God has for us to see breakthrough happen in Bromley and across the boroughs of London and into our nation. That's what it's really about. And so what we're really seeking to plug into is to come before God and to say, God, we feel in many ways unworthy. We feel as though we don't know what to do. But we're believing that God is able to direct us and to help us. And therefore we're saying, Lord, we're going to put aside how we feel and we're going to take hold of this. You have called us to bring people out of darkness and into the kingdom of God. You have set us in this place, not for no purpose, but for the purpose of seeing transformation in Bromley. And Lord, you have called us and chosen us for such a time as this. Therefore, we are going to arise. And you know, as soon as I say that, you think, yeah, yeah, but, and there's a little bit of nervousness about it. Well, that's why Mark and his team are coming here to hold our hands, to stand with us and to say, listen, you are here for such a time as this. You are here to see a breakthrough in the darkness in Bromley so that many people can be saved. You know that the enemy holds people's minds in darkness so that they cannot see, so that they cannot understand the gospel? You know those people you've talked to and you, you gave them a clear presentation or you love them in a great way that showed Jesus and yet they still go off and, as though nothing's happened? Did you know that that's the work of darkness over them that is controlling them? Who's greater than the darkness? Our God. Our God. And so this whole time of this team coming over is them coming to help us and to hold our hands so that we may gain strength and that we may hear from God. We have, I've invited many pastors to come next Saturday, the Saturday the 7th, around from different churches. Now, we don't know how many people are going to come, but I've said this. This isn't about us as a church only. This is about us helping others arise so together we may see Bromley being opened up and that we may see the kingdom of God coming. And I want us all to realize that we are part of that. If you're here in this church, even if you didn't realize it, you're part of what we're doing here. You're part of what God wants to do in Bromley. And therefore, we want to set this side of time and to be prayerful and to seek God 
and to be here. So I really want you to put in your diaries, Saturday the 7th of October from 7 till 9 in the evening. It's going to be a time of worship. It's going to be a time of prayer. And with this one thing, God, will you help us? Will you lead us? Will you give us strength and will you give us testimony that we may see your kingdom coming into Bromley and much of the darkness being pushed back? Will you help us to advance? And to prepare ourselves for that, then there is this time of prayer. And 36 hours of prayer, 12 different three-hour blocks of prayer, starting at 9 p.m. on the Thursday evening. So the first one would be 9 till midnight, and then midnight till 3, etc., etc. Right the way through, a finishing. The last session will be from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on the Saturday morning. Now, just come along to as much as you can cope with or as much as you can attend or the one that you can attend, but come along and be part of it. You're coming with what reason? Lord, I want to be prepared. Whatever part you have for me to pray, play, I want to be prepared. I want to be made ready. I want to be stirred up. I want to come into the presence of your Holy Spirit that I may be strengthened, ready for the things that you want me to do. And then we're coming together later on that Saturday to ask God to come amongst us. So I just want to tell you about that. So with us having this bring and share sandwich pork pie thing <laughs> next, uh, next Sunday, um, that's just so that we can meet the team and chat to them and interact because they're Christians and we are and we want to be family together and they're here because they want to bless us and encourage us. So we want to receive them, we want to uh, be hospitable to them, but we also want to be encouraged by them and helped by them so that we may accomplish much. So that gives you a little bit more background about what is actually happening and what the purpose is. This is not just a meeting. It's easy to have meetings. This is meeting for purpose. This is meeting to seek God so that we can press through. So I want you to receive that in your spirits and to be encouraged by that. Father, we want to come before you to ask, Lord, that you would help us as a church, as a people, to accomplish the purposes that have been decreed for us in the heavenly realms. Father, we pray at this time that you would give us unity and strength and that, Lord, that we would purposely move forward with you. Father, we declare that you are our God that you are the one who leads us and guides us. And Father, we want to trust in you. No matter what comes against us, Lord, we're praying that you will deliver us and that you will enable us to see your kingdom being extended and your glory coming, Father. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been looking over the last few weeks and we're going to finish off today with this subject of our identity, ID, who we are in Christ. And this is talking about us as Christians and how, as Christians, we can gain great strength from what God says about us. And we've looked already uh, that God has said that He wants us to be His. He's called us, He has chosen us, and He wants us for Himself. He hasn't rejected us. More than that, He desires to know us. Now, I, yeah, you see, I can see that. You need to get hold of this. I'm wondering how bold people are feeling. Yeah, you see? I'm getting the feeling not too bold. That's what I'm feeling. But today we're going to be making some declarations. Because we need to declare the truth. It's almost like we need to speak out truth so that we can hear it. Because when it comes out of our mouths, it's something like it sort of goes out of our mouths and back into our ears. And we declare it. So often we can say things like, you know, that God loves me. Do you see how that came across? God loves me. Well, that's very nice. Or I can say it like this. Did you know that God loves me? 
He has spoken in his word that he loves me. I am loved by God. And how as I start to say it like that, as I start to fight back that sense of, no, you're not loved. No, that's not true. As I stand against that, there's something that comes and it starts to strengthen me. I mean, you know what? I'm loved by God. Those guys who were here yesterday to hear the testimony of Ashley, you heard, he didn't say those words, but you heard how that God loved him. In the midst of the rejection that he felt as someone who didn't have any mom or dad and was going off and being fostered and moved around and the uproot and the, the desperation of a young boy growing up and feeling that rejection. And yet he realized that God loved him. And as he took hold of that, so he started to flourish and change. But you know what? If he hadn't have taken hold of it, then where would he have been? We don't know whether he'd gone to crime or whatever he could have fallen into. But we know in God's mercy and grace, God called him, God chose him, God revealed to him the love that he had for him, and it became a transforming effect over his life. And now he speaks of the transformation of what God has done, and he trusts in God that God will continue the work that he started. You see, when we start to get hold of these things, there's something that comes up from with us. You know what? I am loved by God. He hasn't rejected me. He does love me. And the more we keep saying it, and even as I look at you this morning and I'm saying it to you, do you know there's something that comes up in our spirits because it is truth and there's something in our spirits that the Spirit of God takes hold of and he says, you know what, that is truth and it starts to minister to you. Because there's so much rejection, so much that comes against us, so much experience that different people have had in their lives which holds them down and holds them in captivity, but God wants to bring release to you. You know what? The Spirit of God loves to come amongst His people to bring freedom. Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, is what the Word of God says. Because liberty means we're throwing off restraint. We are not going to be held back by the lies of the enemy or by the things that have happened to in our past. We are here to live for the purposes of God and to accomplish the things of God in our generation because we want to see the works of darkness being pushed back and the light of the glory of the kingdom of God coming in our lives and across our families in Jesus' name. You see, when we start to talk like this, you know what you think? Like, yes, that is what I want to see because I believe there is life in Jesus Christ. And we want to have that life in us. So this morning, I'm encouraging you to be a bit bolder. Okay? Let's just say together, and I want you to say as energetically. You know what that word means? Yeah? Yeah, they do on this side. I'm a bit concerned, okay? I'm a bit concerned over here. But we're going to work on it. We're going to have that energy go across the room. And we are going to say, I am loved by God. I am loved by God. That's good. Now, let's just, let's now... Imagine that the enemy is trying to tell you, no, you're not, and we're going to tell him. I am loved by God. Ready? I am loved by God. Yes. He's already had to take a step back. We're going to give him one more go, okay? Because we want to see the enemy leave this place, and we want to see the Spirit of God minister the truth of heaven to our hearts. Because in heaven there is a Father who is opening his arms up to his children, and he is declaring, I love you, I love you, I love you. Therefore, we as his children can say this, I am loved by God.
Amen. Let's get it into our spirits. So we are accepted. God wants us. And God wants us to be secure. Last week we were looking at the fact that he has forgiven our sin. He has forgiven our sin and brought us into relationship. He has dealt with that darkness, that black stamp, that filthy thing that was over our lives, he has dealt with it through Jesus on the cross to enable us to come to know him. That's what he has done. You know, last week I was talking about the fact that we need to find our security in God, and God is eternal. And yet so often we find our security in temporal things. Now here I am leading this church, running this church with many other people, And uh, that's my job, if you like. My life is built upon serving here. My life is built upon the fact that I'm married to Helen. My life is built upon the fact that I've got two children, Charlotte and Henry, and I'm involved in their lives. My life is built upon the fact that I have two sisters and I have a a mum who is still alive. I'm involved in their lives and I'm interacting with that. I have family. I have friends. I have friends, some who are closer in relationship, know more about the details of my life than others, but I have friends. I have people who I know around me. I am blessed. But you know what? Those things are temporal. And if I invest all of my strength in those things and all of my time in those things, they are temporal, but God is eternal. And for the temporal to run smoothly, I need to have relationship with the eternal. I need to be anchored in the eternal. When I am anchored in the eternal, then things when they go wrong in my temporal world, I've got an anchor in the eternal world. But if my anchor is only in the temporal world, everything starts to shake. So it doesn't mean as a Christian that you do not get shaken. It doesn't mean as a Christian that there aren't things that come against you, that really attack you. You know, like suddenly there'll be difficulties in your relationships or maybe in your marriage, and and life gets hard, and you can't see the way forward, and it feels tough. And let's face facts, when it's tough for you, it seems like it's easy for everybody else. You know, like when your kids are playing up, your teenagers are going off the, you know, the deep end, everybody else is being lovely and kind and, you know, they, they don't put a thing wrong. And it, you feel the pressure of those things. They are eternal. Even our looking after our children, they, they are temporal. That is a temporal situation. It lasts for only as long as you are alive. But our relationship with the eternal God lasts forever because it is an eternal relationship. Let's get invested, folks, in our eternal relationship with God. We need to have our security in God. Accepted, secure, there's a scripture that's going to come up. Look at this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Have everything been smooth in your life this week? If not, remember this, that you as somebody who are holding on to the eternal, to the eternal God, he is at work in your life, even in the midst of difficulties. Because he loves you. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Let's get that into our spirits and be strong. So we've had acceptance and security. Today we're going to be looking at significance. Significance. What is significance? 
significance. It's really the it's importance. God wants to know that you're important and you have importance. God wants to know that you have meaning. This is this sense of like, oh, there's nothing for me to do. I'm nobody. I'm a nothing. No, 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 no. You have significance. And God wants you to know that you have significance. Today, we're going to look at nine points, some of which are going to be very quick. Um, And these nine points are going to help us with this, what God is saying about us that would help us to understand that we have significance. Because it's what he is declaring us to be and what we are like. So first of all, what God declares us to be, number one is this. I am the salt salt and light of the earth. I am the salt and light of the earth. Matthew 5, 13 and 14. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You see, we are salt and light. That is what we are declared to be. It's interesting that God doesn't say, I am going to make you into. He says that when you come into a relationship with me, this is what you are. You are salt. You are light. You know what salt does? Salt is preserving. It stops the rot. What do we need in our society today? We need something to stop the rot that is happening in society. The moral corruption, the moral decay that is going on, that shift that is happening, that stuff that comes against you where you feel because it's so powerful, you don't, it even binds you up. You're not allowed to speak anymore the words of truth. We are salt, and we are here to stop the rot. And we are light. We are declared, this is what God is saying of you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, and you are a Christian, you have accepted him as your Lord and as your Savior of your life, this is what God is saying you are. Now, I know that you might be thinking, I don't know about that about me. I don't know whether I'm really feeling as though I'm stopping the rot. Stop worrying. Start believing. Because this is what God says. This is who you are. With Jesus living within you, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. And he is going to enable you to live life in a way that affects those around you. Now, I will say this, just as an aside. If you are finding, in your place of work, or where you are in your family, if you're finding as a Christian, you seem to be exactly the same as everybody else around you, and you don't seem to differ in any of the ways from them, uh, I think you better start reading the Word of God. That's all I'm going to say, because I think there's some difficulty. Because God is different from the world. God teaches us to forgive. God teaches us not to hold account. You know what love says? It says it doesn't hold a record of the wrongs. So many people in the office say, oh, but I remember what you did last week. It doesn't hold a record of the wrongs. You know what? Love is not self-seeking. That means it's not promoting you. It's not all about you. You are there to love other people. This is the things that God changes us. And as his life comes into us, and as his spirit fills us, we are being changed into the image of God. And therefore, that's what we are like, and we are different. 
You don't have to go about shouting this. I'm salt, I'm salt. I mean, you know, well, perhaps you could go into the office tomorrow and say that, or the school, or wherever you are. I can see Valeri in the building site going around there shouting, I'm salt, I'm salt. And shortly him being arrested and taking out. <laughs> exactly. But we do want to be salt and light. This is what we are, not what we're being called to become. So let's go out and be salt and light because God is with us. The reason, you know, that we can say that we can bring light and bring salt into our surroundings is because, point two, I am a branch of the vine and I'm appointed to bear fruit. I am a branch of the vine. In John 15, verse 1, it says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And in verse 5 of that same chapter, it says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We are the branch. If you know anything, and you may not know an awful lot about vinticulture and growing grapes and all that sort of stuff, but I tell you this, there's a root in the ground and out of that root comes a branch and those branches get spread out and eventually along those branches we get grapes. And I tell you this as well, this is what I do know, if you were to cut the branch near the root, you don't get any fruit. I know that. Why? Because it's out of the root that all of the goodness, all of the nutrients flow along the branches with one aim, to produce fruit. We are connected to that vine stock of Jesus Christ. We are connected to him. Now this has got to give us encouragement. It's not like some of you are branches... If you are in Christ, you are connected to him and you are a branch of the vine that can therefore bear fruit. This is what God is saying of us. It's so, we get into the comparison game. You know, the comparison game is this. This is where you look at your Christian life and you think like, yeah, I've assessed myself to be here. And anybody that you've assessed is below that do you know what? You're quite okay with them because they are much worse than you and therefore God's got to deal with them in a special way but you don't have to worry about them so we leave them there. We just pray for them. But then there are those other people around you. You think like, they seem to know God so much more than me. And they cause trouble because when you start to hear things about the fact of I am a branch, you start to think, well, they are branches but I don't know about me because I feel less than them. I don't feel I've reached up to the same standard. They seem to be performing. They seem to understand things about God that I don't understand. Therefore, they are declared to be the branches, but I am not. But is that what God says? No, it's not. He says that I am a branch of the vine. Do you see how you have to start addressing yourself again? You have to start telling yourself because there's somebody who wants to steal from you this knowledge because they want to take your significance away from you. But you are not here by accident. You are here for purpose. 
You are here to accomplish the things of the kingdom of God that have been declared that your life shall accomplish before the world itself was founded. You are here because you have significance and God wants to work his significance in you. I was chosen by God. If we were to read on in John 15, it says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You see, we didn't choose God. He actually came to us and chose us. There is significance about who we are and what we have done. Let's just put up our declaration. I think we've got one. Let's go back to this. We need to say this boldly. Okay. Do you remember we shook ourselves up a little bit? We started, you know, actually getting out of our slumber and fear of hearing our own voices. Let's go through this and say this together. Okay. One, two, three. God loves me. I am salt that stops the rot. I am light that shines in the darkness. I am a branch of the true vine. This is who we are. This is who you are. This is who you are, not just the person next to you. In the midst of saying that, do you still know that you've got fears and failures? It's okay. We have a father who is looking after us. As a father looking after my children, even though they're growing up, I still notice things that I think, hmm, this needs adjustment. That's not quite right. What are you doing there? That's not the right way to be. I check out with Helen, and sometimes she agrees with me too. But you see, it's because what I'm saying is, as a father, you notice things in your children. God is our father. We are, well, we know we think we're adults, but he looks at us and knows that we are his children. His children. And therefore, he looks with us with a compassion. And he says, look, I know what you need, and I'm here to help you. Please reach out to me. A father never stops loving his children, even when they make mistakes, even when they do stupid things. There's something within us that keeps loving. Even when we get to a point sometimes where those children do nasty things to us as parents, there's something in us that God still allows us to keep loving. God is teaching us that if we, though human beings, are like that, he is much greater than that. Okay? So let's... Stop all of this judging, comparison. It's not so much judging, it's comparison. Where you keep putting others above you or you keep pushing yourself down. God is saying you have significance and we want to hold on to that significance. Let's keep moving with our points. What else can we say here? This is what the Bible says, what God says of us. I am a personal witness of Jesus Christ. I am a personal witness of Jesus Christ. Acts 1 verse 8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you, and you, that's that's me, that's you. And I will be a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, I know I'm not actually going to jump across to Jerusalem right now, but you know what I mean. God is saying that we are to be his witnesses. Now, you know what? We need to take some courage from this. He's just said to us, I want you to witness to me. What does a witness do? It tells of the things that they have seen and heard. So a witness of an accident, they're there to actually say, well, this is what I saw. No, no, no. I saw that guy. He did this. He didn't indicate. Or he was on his mobile phone or whatever it might be. That's what a witness is about. They tell of what they have seen and heard. Can you be a witness of Jesus Christ? What has he done for you? 
What has he done for you? You see, sometimes we're trying to work out all the wonderful, oh, I've got to make it sound grand. He is my father and he helps me. So people say sometimes, or people ask questions at work and school and difficult questions. Well, how do you know God is real? And you think, oh, I don't know. What have I got to answer to that? How can I be a true witness with that? If I don't know all the sort of scientific facts or whatever, and you can get blown away and think like, suddenly you become a nothing. Or you can say, I'm not quite sure how to definitely answer that, but this I know. That when I'm on my knees in my room, his presence comes to me. And he ministers his love into my heart. And it changes me. And you know what? You think, oh, was that good enough? And then the other person listening to it thinks like, wow, that's what my heart's missing. All we are called to do is to be witnesses of him. But he wants witnesses. Just imagine if there was a serious accident or something and you were holding a vital piece of information you didn't pass on to the police. You know, in these terrorist things. No, I I saw this happen. I saw that bag being left there. I recognized it was this time. Pieces of information, witness statements can be key for them to catch the culprits. What if it was the same for us, that this key information that we hold, but that we don't think it's that important? Listen, you are a witness for Jesus Christ. And he just wants you to tell others of the things that you have heard, the things that you have seen, the things that God has touched in your life. Sometimes you can add to that by telling them more about the gospel. But let's not try to make these things so vast and, you know, seemingly so big. We're called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. And we want to declare the things that he has shown us. Do you remember when we had that evangelist Scott McNamara come on open house and he was doing some evangelism training? This was a statement that he said. He said, you share, and he talked about Jesus, and he shakes. And he was given this example that he believes that he's seen this, that he noticed that you know, if you shake a, a fruit tree, especially at this time of year, if you shake it, some of the fruit will stay on the tree. Some of the fruit is ready and will fall off. It's ripe. And he's saying that principle can apply to people as well. We, all we have to do is share about Jesus. And Jesus will find the right people that that will really affect and will have an effect upon their lives and they will become Christians. We share, he does the shaking. So let's just remember that when we go to our places of work. It doesn't affect who you are if you say, say something about Jesus and people reject you. You are still secure in him because it hasn't changed who you are in him. And the more deep we get into God, the more confident. Yesterday, Ashley was sharing at the breakfast about how he was overcoming the fact of not having parents and of, of just overcoming the difficulties of that. And eventually he, he asked God to be his heavenly father and to help him in his life. And something started to change because he gave his life to Jesus. But you see the outworking of that. He eventually uh, was underperforming educationally but realized that he could press in and become somebody. And then he had this, this goal of actually going to Cambridge University. And he realized that God helped him. So there was a period in his life where he realized that God is my father. If I trust in him, he helps me, and then he enables me to grow. And you know what? That came to fruition when he actually passed 
uh, his exams and he got entrance into university, Cambridge University, elite university. So he had that. And then he starts university and he suddenly finds it's all another whole pressure situation of other people who seem to have everything and he's suddenly this kid from the back of nowhere and who is he? And he had to dig again into that resource of who God was. We need to keep digging into the resource of who we are in God. Because just when we've gone past one trial doesn't mean to say that another one isn't on its way. But these things are temporal. We have an anchor in the eternal. And we start to be able to declare, I know who I am. God has made me. I am loved by God. I am secure in him. And you see, when you start to speak to yourself like that, words that are truth, you become built up in the truth. And you start to, you start to take your stand against what the enemy can do against you. Uh, I am a personal witness of Jesus Christ. That was number three. Number four is this. I am a minister of reconciliation. I'm going to get through number four because that's more than halfway. Then we're quickly there. I am a minister of reconciliation. The scripture that goes with this, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Reconcile. We talked a little bit about being reconciled last week. You are reconciled to somebody after, you know, you've been in an argument with them. You come back. You sort that argument out. You're now at peace again and life is carrying on. That's a situation of reconciliation. Where there's been enmity and separation, there comes together and things start to work out perfectly again. That is what reconciliation is. And the Bible says that we have been reconciled to God. Every enmity that we have between God has been dealt with because he's dealt with our sin. Now guess what? God has said to us, I want you to go and reconcile the world to me. So we've got a task on our hands. We want to go out there and bring this reconciliation. You can be reconciled to God. God can sort out your mess. God can help you no matter what you are going through. God can deliver you from the things that are binding you. He can set you free. We can bring a message of reconciliation that whereas you're in enmity to be, uh, with God, you can be brought into a place of peace with God. I am a minister of reconciliation. That is what God is saying to you. You are ministers of reconciliation. You know what? When we see and we shared with people and there's difficulty and you don't seem to be getting anywhere, do not give up in the heavenlies. Just let there be peace on earth, but you can let warfare start to in the heavenlies. So we start praying. That's what I mean because the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God for the tearing down of strongholds. That is what the Word of God says. So we want to be strong in the spiritual. You can just keep making the person a cup of coffee, saying hello to them, blessing them in the name of Jesus. If they curse you, bless them back again. You just be nice. Sometimes be nice through gritted teeth. Oh, this is hard. I love them in Jesus' name. Lord, help me. 
You see, the warfare takes place in the heavenlies when you're away from them and you're saying, Lord, this person is doing my head in. I don't know how to love them. I don't know how to help them, but only you do. You are the one who has called me to be a reconciler, one who reconciles men and women to you. Give me the strength to do so. I am a minister of reconciliation. Point five is this. I am God's temple. You know, we, in the Old Testament, you're reading about the importance of the temple because God says, when he eventually allows Solomon to build the temple for him, he says, this is going to be a place where my name is. And God's name is all of whose character. This is the place where I will dwell. That's what a temple is. And you see in Jewish uh, history and in the Bible itself how important the temple was because people went to the temple and they went there for what reason? To look at the buildings? No, to meet with God because that's where God was and that's where the temple was in Jerusalem and they went to the temple for the Jews. Disaster happened in AD 70 when the Romans destroyed the final temple because in Jerusalem now there is no temple. So you could be saying, well, in that case, where's God? But the Bible says this. 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? God himself, the Holy Spirit, who is God, comes to live inside the frame of our lives. It's the reason why we're supposed to look after our bodies. He says, breathing in. <laughs> because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we need to get that on board. We're thinking about, when you read of the temple in the Old Testament, how glorious it was, how wonderful it was, but there the presence of God dwells. You know what? As believers, God has sent his Holy Spirit into you, that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside of us, that God himself is living in you. You can declare, he is living in me. He's living in me. Now that is quite shocking and it seems strange. This is God himself. How on earth does he manage to survive in this? Because he knows everything that's going on with you and that you see and that you do and that you say and you think he knows all of those things because he lives with you. What an honour it is for us, but also what a responsibility. How we need to look after our bodies. Particularly says in the area of sexual sin, that, that is a sin that we can commit against our bodies. We want to remain pure because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We want to look after our bodies and we want to live rightly. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 to 20 says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. You might just think, well, it doesn't seem to be affecting me. In fact, I'm doing these things for my own pleasure and my own enjoyment. But you didn't realise you're sinning against your body. And it can have an effect upon you. He goes on in that scripture to say, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. 
You see, we are precious to God. Our lives are precious to Him. Our bodies are precious to Him, and we need to keep our bodies and remember that we are God's temple. Point six, I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. There's a scripture for this, which is Ephesians 2. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, obviously, this is a spiritual situation because obviously we're sitting here in Bromley Town Church this morning. So this is a spiritual thing. God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So that's a statement that is true for us. Now, we may not fully understand what that means. If we were to look at other scriptures where it talks, also in Ephesians, where it talks about Jesus and how he was raised up, then we'll understand more. So let me read a little bit further to you. Ephesians 1 verse 20 to 23. Talking about God and the power that he exerted in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Now listen to what it then says. It says this, This is where Christ is seated. Far above, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That's where Christ is. So when he was raised from death to life, raised again, God enabled him to be seated in this position, far above every other power, every other authority, every name that can be named. Anybody that's trying to say, well, this is my authority, don't you know who I am? He is above every power, every ruler. That's where Christ is seated. And what does it say of us? We have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. This is why, as a Christian, you have great spiritual authority. But we can't exercise authority until we fully understand what has happened to us. But we have great spiritual authority. Why do I say that? Because we can declare to the powers of darkness, listen, I have been seated with Christ. And where is that? It's far above every other power every other authority, every other name that can be named. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, I tell you to go from here. We need to address the enemy with that type of understanding. We have been seated far above all of these things. Now, again, it's quite interesting. We see with the Acts, in the Acts of the Apostles, the Apostles beginning to understand and to learn about these things. Just because we are seated in that place doesn't mean to say that authorities don't still come against us. You remember that there was the apostles, they were out preaching the gospel. Now Jesus had come, the Holy Spirit had come, so they're out there healing people, and they're just proclaiming Jesus, and there's an uproar in Jerusalem. And what happens? The authorities, the religious authorities come, and they put them in jail. So actually, at times, we see that the authorities of the land, God will still allow them to have authority over us. But you know what? When they're in jail, locked up, God has the power to release them from jail and to tell them, go back out and start preaching about me again. You see, God has the highest authority, and at the right time, he can exercise that authority through us. 
There's no point in us going around saying like, I'm seated with Christ, therefore I don't have to listen to Mr. Policeman, or I don't have to obey the local council, or I don't have to obey my taxes. That's not how it works. They are authorities, and in Christ you are above every other authority. But at times God says, listen, you need to be subject to authorities too. We see the same with Peter. Herod locked Peter up. So Herod was the local king, and he said he'd already killed James, and now he was thinking, right, I'm going to kill Peter. Let's get Peter in jail. So Peter is locked up, and he is actually chained between other soldiers And this is what his life is like. He's now in jail, chained like that. The rest of the church are praying for him. But you see, the local authorities, the king, had authority over Peter. But we also see that God is higher. And in the middle of the night one day, whilst Peter is chained between other guards who are supposed to be there guarding him, an angel taps him on the side and says, wake up, Peter. Put your clothes on. We're going out. The chains fall off. Peter walks out. He actually doesn't really know what's going on. Follow this angel. Why not? This seems good. They get to the outer door of the jail, and the jail door, which is locked, opens for them. And it's only when he's in the street outside, Peter says, hang on a second, something's going on here. And the angel leaves him. God is the highest authority. He has the ability, if it is of his will, that he will overcome every other power and authority and set us free from our captivity. But also in Christ Jesus we are seated there and when we know our authority we can tell the enemy doubt, fear to get out of our lives, unbelief to get out of our lives, confusion to get out of our lives, disruption to get out of our marriages, disruption to get out of our children's lives because in the name of Jesus I have been seated with Christ in the heavenly places and you will not have authority over me. You see, we have been seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. That is what the Word of God declares. Uh, Number seven, I am God's workmanship. The verse that goes with this, I'm going to read very quickly. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I have been made by God. He has given me tasks to do. I am God's workmanship. So are you. You are God's workmanship. We were created by him and for him. Point eight, just as we keep the momentum, I can approach God with freedom and confidence. I can approach God with freedom and confidence. You know when you feel down and you don't, oh, I don't know whether God loves me or... I can approach God with freedom and confidence because the word of God says in Ephesians 3.12... In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. We are allowed to do it. It's not the only scripture that talks about this. In Hebrews, it talks about the fact that we have a great high priest who is for us. He knows exactly the sorts of things we're going through. So therefore, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And we want to be confident that we can come before God. No matter what the enemy is saying, and he says all sorts of things to keep you out, we have to declare, no, 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 I have significance before God. And I can come into his presence. Even if that means we come on our knees crying because we need forgiveness, we can come because God will accept us. 
with all of these things that we've been going through, number nine says this, I can do all things through Christ. Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do it. You know when you see this thing about you can be a witness? Oh, I don't know whether I can be a witness in my office. I don't know what to say. And then you get this verse that comes up behind it. Ah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what are we going to listen to, the lies, or are we going to hold on to the Scriptures? We have to keep telling ourselves. We have to keep building ourselves up in God so that we may gain strength with these things. I can do all things. We know the nerves. We know the voices that try to hold us back. We know those palpitations. We know those panics, those moments when we think like, should I say this? Look, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which can even mean I can look foolish and still come back. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's gain that strength from him and walk with him. Let's just do another declaration together because this is more than, there's a little bit more than this, okay? So we're going to go from one page to another. I want you to say this as an individual. I want you to address yourself. I want you to know that this is God speaking to you as an individual, as he is speaking to me as an individual. And in Christ, I have the right to say these things because this is the significance that God is giving me, that he's giving you. So we can declare this together, okay? After three, we're going to speak out loudly. In fact, let's just say this. We're just going to say the first one three times. Okay? God loves me. Ready? God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. I am salt that stops the rot. I am light that shines in the darkness. I am a branch of the true vine. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Amen. I want you to just to sit and I want you to listen to this song that I'm going to have played now. And I want you to look at the words on the screen. It's the song by a Nigerian singer called Sinat. It's called, I Know Who I Am. That's the song. And I've been listening to it and I think, you know what? It just ministers to our hearts. So let's just listen to this and allow God to speak to us. Do you know who you are? Because God wants you to know who you are in him that you may be strong and may be able to stand. Let's just see that. Now, I know that you might not have known that song before and there is something about it that you say like, can we really say that? But you see, this is what God wants you to know. He wants to know that you have significance here upon the earth. And he wants to transform you from the inside to the outside. Because I know even when you're listening to that, there are many voices that come against us that are wanting to push us down. Oh, no, no, it doesn't count for you because this is what you're doing. It doesn't count for you because you're locked into that sin. It doesn't count for you. Listen, you have significance in Jesus Christ. He is your Father 
He is your father and you are his child. And even as a child that you may be messing up and you might be doing some things that he doesn't like, he loves you and he wants to bring you through. Will you let him bring you through? Will you let him minister to you? Will you allow the significance that he is speaking over you to arise in your life that you also might be able to say, hey, I know who I am. And I'm going to be walking in power and I'm going to be working miracles because God is with me and he is going to be my, he is going to be the one who strengthens me. You know that if you are here this morning, we can pray for you. If you are feeling that there's things that are holding you back, I, I want to move on, but there's things that are holding you back. We want to be able to pray with you and stand with you because we're believing that God can do marvelous things in and through us. Amen. Thank you, Obed.